You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. primary character of the text is Jesus. Biblically and theologically, Jesus means salvation. That's what his name means, salvation. Jesus equates salvation from a biblical and theological standpoint. Also from a biblical and theological standpoint, salvation represents, number one, deliverance. Means that Jesus has the power to bring you out or whatever you may be wrapped up, tied up, and tangled up in. We are living witnesses. I mean, I mean, think about it. He can bring you out of whatever you're trapped in. Whatever has you bound. How can he do it? Because Jesus is Emmanuel, a God in flesh. That means he has omnipotence, or all power. So it doesn't matter how far down you are or how tangled up you are, he has the power to bring you out. Salvation also has to do with protection. He will protect you from all types of danger. He will also protect you from yourself. Because often if you consider your life, your, your biggest enemy has been you. You have been your biggest enemy. You don't even have enough fingers and toes to count. How many times you have messed up yourself? Woo! If I be right, look at somebody and say, I have messed up myself a whole lot of times. (laughs) And the thing I love about the Lord, even when you consider Scripture, He will allow danger to come. He will even allow certain harmful things to to come against you. But he protects you in that he will only allow those things to go so far. He allows Satan to, to attack Job, but he protected Job in that he, he only allowed Satan to go so far. Don't ever think when it comes to God's protection that that means he'll keep stuff completely away. No, he has to allow certain things to come 
in order to mature you. Look at your life and look, look how trials made you better. Woo! I said, look at how trouble made you better. It matured you. Well, maybe I'm just talking to myself, but, but, but so we got we to gotta find out. Just, just ask somebody, did, did your trouble make you better? Did it make you grow up? Trouble will open up your eyes. Trouble will cause you to see who really loves you, who really cares about you. Trouble will show you your true friends. Trouble will show you who really has your back. And lastly, when it comes to salvation, it causes you to prosper. It causes you to prosper. I like prospering. Yes, I do. I like to look back and see how far God has brought me. Not just in one aspect of life, but in every aspect of life. See, if, if John is right, you know, 3 John 2 says, uh, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul does prosper. And because what John said was canonized, we consider him speaking on behalf of God. God wants us to prosper. And when he saves you, he, he causes you to experience advance. Causes you to experience overflow. Causes you to get certain things that you can't get on your own. Some of us ha have the testimony that, that certain things we have, when, when, when we were coming up, we didn't dream we would have them. It took God to bring them in to fruition. Woo, it took God to, to bring it to pass. I, I always wanted a house. But, but I never thought I would own many houses. Wanted a house, want, wanted something, and just look to pay for it in 30 years. That's what they used to get your house. It'll take 30 years to pay for it, and you'll, you'll have your house. But I didn't know that I was going to have houses and pay for them before 15 years. What happened? Nobody but God. Why? Because he has a wish for you to prosper. If you're not prospering right now, but you're in the will of God, you're going to prosper because that's God's wish. Oh, preach to somebody. God wishes for you to prosper. 
He has a wish for you to do better. A wish for some grand things to happen for you. A wish for you to come from step one to step two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and so forth. That's his wish. I said, that's his wish. And so you have to recognize that when certain things happen to you, it's because that's what God wishes. He has a wish for you. And nobody can stop his wish, his desire for you from coming to fruition. You holding on? But you. But you. You can hinder your own prosperity. You can hinder your own success with your mind, your words, or your deeds. You can mess your own self up. I used to think you had to have the perfect job to prosper, but that, that's not true. I was prospering and I had half of a job. That wasn't the right job, a half job. I was making $25 from the church. That, that, that was half of a job, and then I had this little spool thing that was half of a job, but I was still prospering. God will show you his prosperity when naturally speaking you barely receiving income. You're receiving something, but it's not doing what you need it to do. So God steps in and shows you that his wish is real. Woo, I wish above all, above all, yeah, that you'd prosper and be in health even as your soul does prosper. So Jesus equates salvation and salvation is threefold. He delivers, he protects and he causes you to prosper. Contextually, I want you to notice that, that Jesus has been repetitive in talking to people in the text. Notice again. I don't want you to, I don't want you to miss it. Look at what it says. You're looking at me like, really? Yeah, really. Then Jesus spoke to them, help me. He spoke to them. He spoke to them. And, and speaking is important. And we really have to grasp this. Proverbs 18 and 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Speaking is important. I got to watch what I say. Because, help me, death and are in the of the tongue. My tongue can be used to hurt or to help. My tongue can cause me to go backwards or forward. My tongue can cause me to have a miserable day or a wonderful day. Death and are in the power of the tongue. And there's one thing about 
Jesus in reference to speaking, or two things about Jesus in reference to speaking that I love and I try to imitate. Number one, he was positive when it came to speaking. He was positive. It, it didn't matter how the situation looked and how other folks viewed it. They could be talking negative, but Jesus would stay positive. A little girl's demise had, had happened, and, and folks knew that the child was dead, and, and they were speaking negative when Jesus and, and the parents showed up. They, they were speaking negative. But here Jesus is in, in the midst of negativity speaking positive. She ain't dead. She just sleeping. But if you check out the Lord, especially from, from Matthew through John, you will find him speaking positive. He was always positive about stuff. He, he is the most optimistic person I know. And I want to be like that. Now, we, we have to be careful because some of us, we grew up being negative. I didn't hear nothing over here. Some of us grew up being negative. How, how many, you had members of your family that were negative? And so you were always around pessimistic folk. You, now that you're a Christian or Christ-like, you got to change that. You have to start being positive with your words. Even when it's a negative situation, when you speak, it needs to be positive. And in order to do that, you need to focus on the good and not the bad. I said you need to focus on the good and not the bad. Sometimes the good may be this small, very small. And the bad may be huge, but you still focus on the good, and that's what you speak about. If you're going through it in your body, it may, it may feel like your body about to drop, but you focus on, you know what? God is still blessing me. It could be worse. You always speak positive. And again, when you check out Jesus, that's what he did. He spoke positive. He even strained folk that, that were followers of him that spoke negative. He showed up when Lazarus had, had died. And here Lazarus' sister comes to him in a negative way. Uh, Lord, if you had been here. He would still be Alive, if you had been here. Your brother going to live, again, talking positive. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. In the resurrection. Then Jesus went positive again. I am the resurrection. And she still wouldn't receive his positive Words. 
until he finally had to go off on her. Did not I say to you? Reminding her that, look, I done told you who I am. I done told you this, that, and the other. If he was around negative folk, he would make sure they understood that he was optimistic despite the situation. I wonder if that's your testimony. Or do you join in with the negativity? I I wonder when something bad happens to you, how do you respond? Even when he was going through stages of, of getting ready to die, he still was positive. Because that's who he was. And that's who we need to be. We need to be positive despite what we go through. But another thing about him in reference to his speech is that he was sure. He was certain. And if you check out his certainty, all of his certainty was based upon the word. The things that he was certain about were based upon the scripture. Even when he talked to the, to the scribes and Pharisees about tithes, it was based upon the scripture. He said, you tithe of mint, you tithe of coming and so forth. You need to do this. He always had in his mind scripture. Always. He would talk about what happened to David. He would talk about in reference to the prophets said when he first showed up I didn't come to destroy the law now the prophets I came to fulfill I come in the volume of the book he was always sure about what he said and his surety was based upon scripture you don't have to know everything about every subject but you do need to know the word as a child of God before you utter certain things out of your mouth you need to consider what the word says So when you do speak, you will speak based upon what is written. Why is that important? Matthew 24 and 35, heaven and earth shall pass, but not not the word. You got to speak based upon the word. And the word is so powerful, even though you may not be a very educated person, you can check educated persons with the word. You may not have a medical degree, but you can check a doctor with the word. You may not know anything about banking and financing, but you can check a financier with the word. The word covers every subject. It deals with all types 
situations, people, and so forth. But you have to know the word. You just can't accept what people say. Gnawing your head in agreement without first checking to see what the word says. The word needs to be your final say. I said the word needs to be your final say. Everything you think, everything you say, everything you do needs to be based upon the word. And Jesus was so sure because of the word. And he had to exemplify that when he came to earth because he came here to be an example in part. He had to be an example. And so he spoke according to the word. And and when you see uh, after he went back to heaven, his disciples did the same thing. They spoke according to the word. And they were sure about the word. And we have to be the same way. Y'all good? And so, contextually, Jesus exemplified in talking to his audience that he was positive and sure. That's what he exemplifies here in this little verse, John 8 and 12. Consider the first thing, again, that that he said to them in John 8 and 12. I am the light of the world. It's a big world, Jesus. I am the light of the world. He was speaking About his creative power of speaking about being God, but he was also speaking about being the sustainer of the world. I am the light of the world, I'm the one that created all of this, I'm the one that's sustaining all of this. And guess what? He's still the light of the world. You better quit thinking. These politicians are in control. You better quit thinking that that certain folk that say stuff that's got some power can change certain things that God has said will always be. No, 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 no. Let me show you something. I'm going to show you two passages so you can really see that our Lord is creator and sustainer. He's the light of the world. I want to show you two things. First, I want to go to John. John the 20. Well, no, no. I want to go to Psalm 24. Psalm 24. And then I'm coming back to John. Let's go to Psalm 24. Jesus said, I am the what? Light of the world. 
Y'all look like y'all sleep. Let's try that one more time. Jesus said he is the what? He's the creator and sustainer of everything and everybody. Because the world represents everything and everybody. But consider Psalm 21, we're 24 and 1. Y'all there? The earth is the Lord's. And all is fullness. That means everything belongs to God. Even folks that try to act like they in charge of everything. They, they can make things change, make things happen. You remember what Jesus told uh, people when he, was, when he was on the cross? Well, not on the cross, but getting ready to go to the cross. He said to them, he said, look, you would have no power at all unless my father gave it to you. Because they were telling him, look, I can free you. I can let you go. I can do, you, and he said, hey, you would have no power at all unless my father gave it to you. You got to understand something. The Lord is in control. Don't ever think when somebody tells you you can't that, that that's the final say. Bible is clear. Our God is the Alpha and the? The first and the? The beginning and the end. That, that simply means he is in charge. He has not lost his sovereignty. He has not given up his sovereignty. He is still in control of everything and everybody. There are folk in here right now based upon a professional. You shouldn't have what you have. Put up your hand. Let me see. Why do you have it? One reason. God wanted you to have it. He's sovereign. He is the light of the world. He is the sustainer. He is the creator of everything and everybody. Look at Psalm 24 and 1 again. The earth is the and is what? The world and all those who dwell therein. He has founded it upon the seas. I'm in verse 2 now. And established it upon the waters. Let's go to John. John 1. We're proving that he is the light of the world. He is the creator and sustainer of everything and everybody. Oh, y'all with me now. You done woke up. Thank you, Lord, for waking them up. You know I was concerned. <laughs> of course, I will preach to myself. But notice John 1 and 1. That's where we'll start. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was what? In him was, help me, And the life was the light of men. Remember, he's the creator. He creates. He put light in you. And the light shines 
hands in darkness and the darkness did not hinder him. There are folks that don't believe that Jesus is in control. When COVID hit, COVID is in control. No, he was still in control. Man, these gas prices are, are out of control. What we going to do? Keep following God. Because nothing is happening that he is not allowing to happen. Who is God? The light of the world. God allows certain things to happen to see if you're going to stay positive and sure. You're going to keep his traits. You're going to exemplify who he is. He allows things to happen to your body to see if you're going to remain positive and sure that he is the light of the world. And he puts the light in you. But, but because we are free moral agents, we allow the darkness to talk to us more than the light. And that's the reason you see in the text, the light came, but folk did not comprehend it. Even nowadays in time, folk running from God when they should be running to it. He is still creator. And see, it's a time now for, for saints of God to mature in God. It's a time for you to mature and recognize that God is sovereign. He is in control. If it's ever been a time to draw nearer or closer to God, the time is now. If it's ever been a time to exemplify your Christian faith, the time is now. You got folk in the pulpit that, that, that are backing away from the scripture. Simply because of the times. But true saints of God are going to still think, talk, and do according to what is written and what is revealed. Why? He is the light of the world. Say to your neighbor, that's who he is. And I'm going to stand on that. Let's go back to John 8 and 12 and take it further. Notice the second thing that he spoke. And, and, and keep in mind that he is revealing that he is yet positive and sure. He goes on to say, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He who follows me is not going to walk in darkness. Darkness represents sin. It represents things that are in contrast to the revealed and written word of God. 
it represents the demonic of things of the devil. That's what darkness is. And Satan is, is about trying to get as many folk as he can to walk in darkness. To walk in sin. Paul so understood this particular passage that he said to the church, if our gospel is hid, it is hidden to those that are blind or in darkness, who the prince of this world are saved and put blinders over their eyes, lest they should see what? The glorious light. What is the glorious light? The gospel. Oh, it's, it's good news even though COVID is going on. Even though folks are dying right and left, it's still good news. It's folks dying, but it's folks dying that's going to heaven. Oh, I say it's folks dying that's going to heaven. It's folks getting sick that God is still healing. You got to see the good news in the midst of darkness. You can never allow the darkness to consume you to the point to where your focus on God completely changes. You start looking more at what you shouldn't look at instead of what you should. And remember, child of God, according to 2 Corinthians 4 and 18, the things that we see. They're temporary. They're not going to last. Why? Because God is sovereign. God's will will always prevail. I said God's will will always prevail. Sometimes it looks as if the will of God is not going to happen. It seems as if a count of two is on you. But then God steps in letting you know he is the resurrection and the life. Look at somebody and tell them, can't nobody do you like Jesus. But you're not going to know that if you don't follow him. If you follow him, you're not going to walk in darkness. Satan ain't going to be able to control your mind. Sin ain't going to be able to dominate you. You're not going to be influenced by the times. You're going to continue to be led by the Holy Spirit. Don't allow the times, the dark times that we're living in to influence you. Stick to John 16 and 13. Remember what Jesus said? When he, the spirit of truth, has come. What are you going to do? Guide you. Be a light for you. Where is he taking me? Into all truth. Say to your neighbor, and that light ain't nothing but truth. Oh, you better tell somebody else that light ain't nothing but truth. That light will take you down a path that leads to glory, that leads to healing, that leads to what God has ordained for his people to have. He who follows me. Notice the promise. Shall not. 
walk in darkness. You got to follow him though. We got to quit being sometime. See, you, you'll hear a message like this. You'll get fired up, stirred up. you leave here with your Bible in hand. Following Jesus. Thank you for the word, Lord. Following Jesus. Woo. And for two, three days. Oh, you ain't nothing but Jesus. What's going on, babe? Nothing but Jesus. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. See, see, the end of darkness is death. It's death. That's all Satan about, trying to get you to go down that dog path. And, and, and this is the thing. The dog path looks wonderful. And see, the dog path to a person that's in sin looks better than light. That's the reason, again, in John 1 and 5, he said, he said that, that they did not comprehend the light because of the darkness. You mean Jesus will bless me and all this stuff going on? So you think better is here and all this right here is happening. And they don't see it. Why? Because of the darkness shine in the darkness but they didn't comprehend it you can see that God wanted to make them better man you don't know what I'm going through being saved they, they think being saved is a church thing being Christian ain't no church thing church thing is a religious thing Folk, it's folk been in church all their lives and been sinners all their life. Ordained deacon, but still sinner all their life. Call to preach, preaching, but still a sinner. The gifts and callings of God is without repentance. You can still be living like a dog. But speaking out of the word. Religion is darkness. Folks used to get mad that we're in church when you tell them they need the Holy Ghost. You need to be filled with it. We don't need that. That's that sanctified stuff. If you follow me, say your name, you got to follow him. 
But I'm going to show you something. Go with me to Matthew 16. Y'all stay with me. I'm almost done. This good teaching, but it's tight. It is. It, it, it's tight. Matthew 16, 24 and 25. Jesus said to his disciples that he was, he was folk that was already followers of Jesus, learning, learning from him. A, a disciple is a learner, a pupil, student. Now, he's, this is what he said to folk that were already with him. But he knew that it was something that they still hadn't done. He says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If you're going to truly follow Jesus, you got to get out of yourself. Your desires cannot become before his desires. Your will cannot become before his will. If you ain't feeling like doing what he tells you to do, you got to do. If you don't want to apologize to her, but he's telling you to apologize to her, you got to. If you don't want to give what he's asking you to give, you, you got to give it. Because he's asking you if you don't want to go where he's telling you to go you still got to go why because he's asking you you got to deny yourself and and some folks rebel i ain't got no problem with denying myself yeah you have everybody has it, it's gonna be certain thing he gonna ask you to do that you're gonna have a problem with so don't, don't lie. I ain't got no problem with that. Yeah, you have. You're you going to have a problem with certain things he asks you. I'm just going to tell you. And, and some, something can be just real tiny, small. And you'll have a problem with them. Something going to be major, you're going to have a problem with them. But if you're going to follow him, you got to deny yourself. He can tell you talk to somebody you don't want to talk to. Tell you to tell your spouse something you don't want to tell him or her. Tell you to bless somebody that you don't want to bless. Or that you don't think need blessing. Why you want me to bless her, Lord? She already got. Lord, I need to hold on to this. But see, he want to see if you're going to deny yourself. And again, you're going to have problems with it. And notice who he was talking to. He wasn't talking to sinners. He was talking to folk that had been listening to his teaching a while. And so it, it was time for them to go to another level. They were already disciples. Look, it's time for another level. Now I need y'all to deny yourself. And see, some of us, I 
We hadn't put this into action. There, there are certain things that God wants you to do, but, but you don't want to do them. You got to deny yourself. And guess what? If you don't deny yourself and follow him, guess what you're going to always have a problem with? Darkness. If you follow me, you shall not walk in darkness. But if you don't follow me, you're going to walk in darkness. But if I'm going to follow him, I got to deny myself. I don't see nothing wrong with this. The implication, you don't. But God wants you to deny you are self and do what he tells you to do. What pastor was saying was for, was for somebody, but it wasn't for me. You here? You may not want it to be for you. But Jesus cleared that up. What I say to one, I say to all. I love being a holiness preacher. I'll never change from being a holiness preacher. I'm just being real with you. See, some of y'all need to understand, I'm not a Baptist preacher. I'm not a Methodist preacher. I'm not a charismatic preacher. I'm a holiness preacher. That means you better than it. No, that means I'm just trying to do what the scripture said. Be ye holy. Why? Because God holy. That's the only reason I'm a holiness preacher because God said be holy. I see something. He, he didn't, that's his denomination. Now, I wasn't talking denomination. I'm talking Bible. This guy say, well, you know, John the Baptist, he was the first Baptist preacher. No, he wasn't. John was called John the Baptist because he baptized folk. That's it. That's your point blank. He baptized folk. You know what I'm saying? See, you hear stuff, you just can't believe everything you hear. All of us ought to be holy. But getting back to the text, if you're going to follow Jesus, you got to deny yourself. Certain things you like doing, Jesus may not want you to do. And then to whom much is given, much is required. In order for Jesus to take you to a certain level, 
There are certain things you got to stop doing that are not wrong, but just you. If you're going to go to that level, you got to stop doing. Well, I feel like the Lord is really leading me to be a deacon. And then the deacon, not, not, not until you get characteristics right first. It's certain things that, that if you look at them like a deacon, a pastor, an elder, and certain, it's just certain characteristics just, just right there. Regular saint ain't going to have to do some of them characteristics. But if you're going to be elevated into another ministry, you got to do them particular, those particular characteristics. I'm a prayer warrior. You don't even pray every day. How are you a prayer warrior? Certain things you just got to deny. If you know God is choosing you to do this, that, or the other, you just got to learn to deny yourself. And look what he said. Deny yourself and take up the cross. Cross represents two things. It represents suffering and victory. Two things, suffering and victory. And the first thing is suffering. The most public thing about the cross is suffering. To the point of humiliation. You know, when they crucified Jesus, and we see it on TV, the CBS version, they got clothes on them and everything, but when they crucified him, they took off all his clothes. He didn't have on no underwear. He didn't have nothing strapped, hiding his pride. They took off everything. Why? They wanted to humiliate him. They stripped him. And then had the audacity to, to take his clothes and sell them. They were so valuable. You'll be humiliated. Talked about. But you still got to deny yourself. And then victory comes. Victory over the cross because the cross is an emblem of death. But Jesus overcame death. Defeated it and, and Paul looked back at the cross and, and, and asked the question, death, where you staying at? And decreed how Christ got the victory. Well, at the cross. But it wasn't without suffering. Deny yourself, take up your cross. See, some folk, when they get to suffer, they start looking for alternatives. God ain't answering my prayer, I guess. No, he's going to answer your prayer. You just got to stick to the path. Oh, I got to close it. Lord have mercy. Let's go, let, let's go back to John 8 and 12. I'm going to read this latter part one more time as I get ready to close. 
Remember, Jesus decreed, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I'm going to show you how profound what Jesus said is based upon uh, Job 30. Go with me to the book of Job. Chapter 30. I done lost some of my audience. I know I said a lot and, and it was kind of touchy. Did y'all get mad reading you quiet now? I understand this. It affects me before it affects you. What is being proclamated affects me before it affects you. Go to Job 33. I said 30, but go to Job 33 and 30. Just turn the page. Job 33 and 30. Ready? Let me start at 29 to make it for clarity's sake. Behold, God works all these things twice, in fact, three times with the man to bring back his soul from the pit that he may be, and notice the pit represents darkness, that he may be, help me, in line with what? He brings him back that he may be enlightened with the light of life. When you're enlightened, that means you're delivered from ignorance. You're delivered from what you need to know, but you don't know. He enlightens you. Notice again that latter part. That he may enlighten with the light of life but he brings the soul back he resurrects a change takes place 2 Corinthians 5 and 7 comes into being if anyone is in Christ he or she is a new creation you done been resurrected you done been changed Notice again, that he may enlighten with the light of life. Start giving you revelation. Start giving you the gospel so your eyes can become open. Not just your literal eyes, but your spirit. So you can start seeing through God's eyes. Or you'll start seeing through his word. Because if your eye can't see according to Jesus, that means your whole body is full of darkness. So he'll send the word so you can be what? Enlightened. And when you're enlightened, you can walk, you can walk in the midst of dark folk. A folk who can't see. You'll start walking like I talked about Jesus walking earlier. Folks talking negative, saying this, that, and the other, but you're just the opposite. Why? You done been 
in life. With the light of life. And understand this. According to John 10 and 10. Jesus said the thief comes not for the steal, kill, and destroy. He coming with darkness. But notice the light of Jesus. But I have come that you may have life. The light of the world going to give you life. And that you may have it more abundantly. But if all of this is going to happen, we have to choose not to walk in darkness. Amen? I'm going to stop right there. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise.